This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're beginning a new sermon series through the book of Proverbs, and so I'll begin by reading the opening seven verses of the book of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, your word is a lamp for our feet and a light for us. Our path. And so we lay before us this morning your word and we beg you to guide us in the way of wisdom. Show us the way that we're supposed to go in 2020. Lead us in the way of wisdom and truth. And don't let anything I'm doing this morning get in the way of you. Amen. All we have to say is. Okay, Google. Hello, Siri. Hey, Alexa. I think I probably just turned on half of your phones right now, didn't I? (laughs) All we have to say is, okay, Google. Hello, Alexa. Hey, Siri. And we have access to an unlimited amount of information. That's powerful. Just think about that. I mean, in your pocket, you have access. It's a doorway into an unlimited amount of information. But just because you have access to information does not mean that you possess wisdom. Just because you have access to an unlimited amount of information does not mean that we possess wisdom. Wisdom is about making the right decisions for the right reasons at the right time. It's about being motivated by the right things. And and when it comes to wisdom, Google can't help you. It can't. No matter how powerful that thing is in your pocket, that that, that phone, it can't teach you how to be wise. You need something more powerful than Google. You need God. And so that's why we're beginning this new sermon series called Scene 2020. See what we did there? Right? We want to see clearly and we want to see, have 2020 vision as we look forward to this new year. We want to make wise decisions. And to do that, we're going to go to the book of the Bible that is devoted to wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Now, I have come to love this book. It is jam-packed with wisdom for the modern world. I love this book. In fact, um, for the last few years, I've been reading it every day. If you read a chapter of Proverbs a day, you'll get through the book of Proverbs every month. There's 31 chapters in it. And I've been doing this for a long time. And man, every time I read, I'm like blown away by wisdom in this book. 
And so let's dive right in and see what this book is all about and, and how it could give us wisdom in 2020. So it begins, explain to us who the author is. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now Solomon, he was the son of David, so he was the third king in Israel. He lived about 900 years before Jesus. And in the book of the Bible, 1 Kings chapter 3, right before Solomon is about to take the throne, he has this vision from God, and God kind of gives him a, a genie in the lamp kind of moment, where he allows Solomon to ask anything that he wants. And he doesn't ask for money or power or land or the death of his enemies. He asks God for wisdom. And God praises Solomon for asking for wisdom. In fact, that comes up over and over in Scripture where, where God encourages us to ask for wisdom and he promises to give it. And that's what God did for Solomon. He gave him wisdom. In fact, he was known as the wisest man who ever lived. And so when we read this book, primarily written by Solomon, we are getting insights from one of the wisest people who ever lived. Unfortunately, he didn't always live by his own advice. And then he goes in to explain the purpose of the book. Verse 2 says this, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and in prudent behavior, for doing what is right and just and fair. He says that this book, the purpose is to give you wisdom uh, and instruction. Another word for instruction is actually discipline. So wisdom is, he's going to give you words to show you the wise way to live. What is the best way to live? Something that you can't even get from Google. He's going to show you wisdom. And then he's going to give you instruction or discipline. And discipline has to do with correction. When you're going a bad way, when things aren't turning out the way they're supposed to, when, when you're getting off track, he, he's going to bring you back to the truth. He's going to discipline you and correct you and change you. So wisdom and discipline. And when you live according to this book, he says, you're going to live the kind of life of a person who's living with justice, who's doing what's right and fair. You're going to live the right kind of life. You're going to live a just life. You're going to be fair. And who is the audience for this book? He says, um, I'm, a, I'm writing this for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, and let wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So first of all, he says, this book is for the simple. Now this isn't people of low intelligence. He's just saying people who didn't have access to wisdom. You know, maybe for you, you didn't have a teacher that could teach you godly wisdom or a pastor growing up, or maybe your parents weren't there to pass on godly wisdom. And so Solomon is saying, I'm writing this for you. If you didn't have access to wisdom before, I'm writing this for you. The simple. And then he goes on to say, I'm also writing this for the young. In fact, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is kind of like, is is pictured as Solomon speaking to his son. In the first nine chapters, he's begging his son, don't do the stupid things that I did. Don't fall into sexual immorality. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. Uh, walk wisely. Pay attention to what you're doing. Take care of your money. Save up for a rainy day. And he's just begging his son to not follow in his footsteps. How many of us here would like to grab one of the, the, 
the young people here in this church today by the arm and say, hey, don't do what I did, right? How many of us today would like to talk to the young people sitting next to you and say, hey, don't follow what I did. Don't, don't go the direction I get. Learn from my mistakes. Well, that's what Solomon, he's writing to you young people. He's writing to you young people and he's saying, this is how you are to live. Live this way before it's too late. And then finally, he says, I'm writing this to the wise. Now, the wise people in the book of Proverbs is not necessarily the most intelligent. It's not people of special gifts. Wise people, according to the book of Proverbs, are humble people. People who are open to instruction. People who are open to rebuke. Here's the good news. You guys could all be wise today. You could be immediately wise today. You don't need superior intelligence. You don't need a high Q. You can be wise today. Just be open to instruction. Just be open to a rebuke. When somebody corrects you, don't justify your bad behavior. Welcome a rebuke, and that'll make you instantly wise. There are two groups of people that he said he's not writing to. He's not writing to fools, and he talks about this a lot in the book of Proverbs. Now, a foolish person, according to the book of Proverbs, is not necessarily somebody of low intelligence. Actually, lots of times, the fools are the smartest people in the room, and that's their biggest problem. They don't think they need help from anybody. They don't think they need instruction. They don't think they need any, any, anybody to help them out. And so they're arrogant and arrogance makes you a fool. He says, I'm not writing for fools. And he's not writing for the wicked. Over and over again in the book of Proverbs, he says there are some people who are bent on harming other people. In fact, they even twist the scriptures and I've seen this over and over again in my ministry, that there are some people, you know, all of us are by nature sinful, but there are some people who are wicked. And I've seen this in marriages. I've seen this in parenting. I've seen this at, in, in certain job situations where there'll be somebody in, somebody who's wicked that is twisting even the scriptures to manipulate, to control, to harm, to get things their way. And Solomon says, this book isn't going to help them you got to watch out for those kind of people who manipulate the scriptures, who try to control you. So he's writing to people who are simple, who are open to instruction, to people who are young. He's writing to the wise, and the wise will add to their learning because they'll welcome a rebuke. And then he explains the method he's going to use. Verse 6, he says, For understanding proverbs and parables and the sayings and riddles of the wise. Proverbs are wise sayings. So if you read the book of uh, Proverbs, you're going to find these one-liners, these tweetable lines. These tweetable lines like, pride comes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. It's just, it just it's packed with wisdom, right? That if you see somebody all puffed up about how great they are, the next moment you're going to see them fall. Pride comes before the fall. You can tweet that, right? And then there, there are other phrases, he says, then also I, I, he's going to use the method of parables, which is kind of um, comparing one thing to another. And so he makes these comparisons in the book, these great, again, one-liners. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? Just like hard metal will sharpen each other, 
A sharp person will sharpen another. So hang out with wise people. That's what he's saying. Using comparisons. And then sometimes when you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to run into these riddles. One of my favorite riddles is in uh, Proverbs 26 when he says this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. And then in the next verse it says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. It's just a look at that, and that's a riddle, right? They're right next to each other in the book of Proverbs, and they contradict each other. You're supposed to read that, go take a walk, make a cup of tea, and then come back to it. And think about your, your situation. You think, you know, there are some times where I just, just not worry about that person. They're just spouting out foolish stuff, and it's not worth my time to roll around in the mud with them because everybody's going to get dirty, right? But then there's some times where I have to speak up, and that's when I need wisdom. And so in the book of Proverbs, he's going to use these proverbs and, and, and parables and wise sayings and riddles that you should think about. And now Solomon gets to the theme of his book. This verse coming up here is what sets the book of Proverbs apart from every other wise literature in the history of the world. You know, you can read a lot of wise literature. There's, I don't know if you've ever read Aristotle. I mean, incredible wisdom. Read Plato, incredible wisdom. Or read modern day wisdom literature, right? Of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by, by Stephen Covey. Or, or, or read about wisdom on how to take care of your money by reading Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey, the Total Money Makeover, right? Or, or read about the best way to, to live a healthy life. You can read all sorts of wisdom on how to have better relationships, better finances, a, a better life, all sorts of wisdom. But this verse is what sets the book of Proverbs apart from all the other self-help stuff that's out there. Here's the theme of the book of Proverbs. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, I heard this on a podcast, and it's kind of always been helpful for me, this illustration. I don't know how many of you are Star Wars fans. It seems to be the one thing that's kind of spanned the generations, right? Well, you know that scene in Star Wars in the movie Empire Strikes Back where Luke Skywalker goes to that planet Dagobah? Am I pronouncing that right, Star Wars geeks, right? I think so. Uh, Dagobah, he goes to that, that planet. It's kind of this slimy, swampy planet. And he goes there because he's searching for the great master Yoda, right? The great Jedi Master Yoda. And when he gets to this planet, his slimy, swampy planet, he's looking for the great Jedi Master Yoda, and all he finds is this weird green-looking creature that talks funny, right? And he kind of blows off this green creature that talks funny until he finds out that that green little creature that talks funny is the Master Jedi Yoda, Right? And then he's in awe of him. And he's begging him, teach me the way of the Jedi so that I have the wisdom to defeat the dark side. And he's all ears. He's listening to this, this, this green creature, right? He's listening to you because he realizes he's speaking with the master. That's what it means to fear the Lord. We might pick this book up and we might say, 
It's kind of a strange book that talks funny, right? It doesn't make much sense sometimes, and maybe we blow it off and look for something more modern or relevant to my life. But then I pray that somehow the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart and you realize, I'm talking with the Master. And he will show me the wisdom to defeat the dark side. And I'm all ears. And I'm begging you, Lord, teach me the wisdom of your word. You are the master. You created everything. I'm all ears. You want real wisdom? You have to begin with God. And that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, being in awe of him, recognizing that he is the master, that he is the creator. And that's the beginning of wisdom because he's the great beginner. I've used this illustration before, um, but a while back, my wife and I were putting together our bedside tables. We got it from Ikea. And my wife took out the instruction manual and followed the instructions because she had this belief that the person who designed the Ikea bedside tables knows the best way that they should be put together. And guess what? When she was all done, the drawers pulled out nicely, Right? And then I put together my side of the bedside table and I started with the instruction manual. And then after a while, I kind of thought, you know, I basically know how this should go together. And guess what? By the end, I couldn't open up the drawers. Nothing was working properly. It wasn't wise. And that's what Solomon is saying here. This is God's instruction manual. He is the creator of everything. God created everything, not Google. And so God knows the best way that our lives should function. He knows how we should live. And so we approach God with fear, with awe, with admiration, begging him to teach us his wisdom. And so here's the first fill in the blank. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom, begin with God. He's the great creator. He's the beginner. You want wisdom, begin with God. Now, that's not just the theme of the book of Proverbs. It's actually one of the themes of the whole Bible. You see, the Bible begins uh, when God creates a perfect world in wisdom. And he creates the first two human beings, Adam and Eve. Now, I believe that these were real people. Adam and Eve were real people. But they were also representative. Adam is a Hebrew word that means mankind. And Eve is a Hebrew word that means life or living. And so in Adam and Eve, you have all human life. All human life represented in Adam and Eve. And God places Adam and Eve in a garden. And in the middle of the garden, he places a tree. And God says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Any of them. Except for the tree in the middle of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, good and bad. In other words, you could say the tree of wisdom. And God was saying in a way, um, that's my tree. Fear me, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. All your ways, acknowledge me. I'm gonna make your path straight. Uh, Don't eat from that tree as a way of reverence, recognizing I have wisdom. I know the right way to go. And when you eat from that tree, it's in essence saying that you think you're better than God, that you know a better way than God. You want to be wise in your own eyes. You want to be in the place of God. And the devil came to them, a fallen angel. And he started telling them a different story. He says, you're not going to die. 
In fact, when you eat from that tree, you get to decide what's right and wrong. You get to decide what's wise. You get to be God. And then there's this verse in the Bible that's just haunting. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. The tree looked good, it was going to taste good, and it promised to give them special wisdom. And in that moment, they were saying, we think we're wiser than God. We want to be wise in our own eyes. And that brought every other type of evil into our world. Just think about it. Anytime that, 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 that things have gone wrong in your life, doesn't it start this way? You do something for your own advantage because it looks good, it feels good. Uh, you think it's the wise way to go. It seems wise in your own eyes. And you think, oh yeah, I know that's against God's word. At least I think it's against God's word. But here's this special circumstance where in my case, it actually doesn't, it's not that bad. And we take from that tree and we want to be wise in our own eyes. We want to design our own version of good and evil our own idea of wisdom, and, and we want to justify our actions, and it brings all sorts of problems and pain into our own life, and ultimately death. But God didn't leave Adam and Eve there, and he didn't leave any of us there. Right away in the beginning of the Bible, he promises that he was going to send someone to crush the work of the devil, someone to rescue us from ourselves. That's what Christmas was all about. That was the hope that we talked about. That's why, that's why we celebrate Christmas, because God came into the world in a person. And we know he's God because people were always saying about him, man, he's wise. Where did he get this teaching? Where did he get this understanding? And he never had to say sorry to anybody. He never screwed it up. Because every moment of every day, he was perfectly submitting to the will of the Father. He was never wise in his own eyes. He was never inventing his own idea of right and wrong, of wisdom. He was always saying, God, what do you want me to do? Father, what do you want me to do? And finally, that led him to a different tree. The tree of the cross, where he poured out his blood, died on the cross for every one of your sins and rose again. And so right now, God's pleased with you. It's a new year, and everything that haunts you from your past is over, is forgiven. He paid the price for all of our foolishness. It's been paid for. And so you can begin 2020 with a new heart and a new life and new goals and new hopes and new dreams with new energy and now we want to know, God, what do you want me to do in 2020? How do you want me to live? Well, well, God doesn't place before us a tree now. He places before us a book. And he says, eat this book every day. Eat this book. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Digest it, internalize it, love it, eat this book, read it every single day with reverence, with awe that you're speaking with the master, that the master is talking with you. And this has been the one habit for me that has been the most transformative. It started about 12 years ago. 
12 years ago, I was in my, uh, my internship year as a pastor, my third year at seminary. They send you out to serve at a church. And, and, and in my first interaction with my boss pastor, he comes up to me, doesn't introduce himself, and he, he just says, do you love Jesus? I was kind of taken back, and I said, yes. And he said, do you love Jesus' word? And I said, yes. And he said, do you love Jesus' people? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, then we're going to be all right. And then very shortly after that, he, he gives me two sheets of paper that had a calendar on it with all the books of the Bible. And he says, you know what, Ben, here's the one thing we're going to do this year. We're going to read through the whole Bible in a year, starting July 1st. And I'm going to be checking up on you and making sure that you're reading the Bible every single day. And he did. And because he encouraged me, he kept me accountable, he checked up on me, and, and he was with me for a whole year that started a habit that's become like brushing my teeth where every day I have read the Bible, I think basically for the 12, last 12 years, I don't think maybe, maybe a handful of times if I've really been sick, but it, was, it had been so ingrained because of what my pastor, Nate Strutz, instilled in me. And that's what I want to do for you. I want to teach you how to read your Bible every day, to eat this book. Now, at first, I know that might sound just totally overwhelming. It's a strange book that talks funny, Right? And, and it can seem so overwhelming because it's filled with all these different uh, languages and names and backgrounds and customs and cultures that, that it can, maybe you've tried this before and you got to Leviticus and you're like, whatever, I'm just going to watch a Beth Moore video or something after a while. Just because, man, it's just hard to read through the Bible. And so I want to help you. And so this Wednesday at 6.30, I'm going to give a class here on how to read the Bible. And you're all invited, every single one of you, come back, 6.30. I'm going to give you the overview of the Bible. I'm going to show you the different tools, how to read the Bible. And then I'm going to model what I do every morning on how I read the Bible, what that looks like. But the reason I'm doing that is because the following Monday, uh, we're going to begin a read through the Bible in a year using the YouVersion app. And, and you can find this resource on our faith resources page. The following Monday, is that January 13th, 14th? The following Monday. And on that faith resource, you can click on that and easily download or easily go into the YouVersion app to follow reading through the Bible in a year. What I love about the plan that we're going to use is it's with the Bible project. And so every day you're going to watch a video, short video that explains the context of what you're reading explains the background of what you're reading so you don't get tripped up on the languages or the themes or the ideas. And then you could either read or listen to about two to three chapters a day. And then here's my favorite part. Down below, there's going to be a discussion feature where, where you can discuss questions you have, things that you don't understand. And we've assembled a Bible reading team of four pastors that go to this church, myself included, who are going to be here to, to help you. And then two other lay people are going to be there to encourage you for a whole year to read through your Bible. On top of that, the first Wednesday of every month, those pastors are going to come in and discuss the Bible and, and give lectures on the Bible to help you along the way so you don't get tripped up. We're going to do everything we can as a congregation to help you eat this book every day. You see, we believe that just because you have access to information doesn't mean that you have wisdom. You see, you need something more than Google. You need 
God. You need something more than Alexa. You need the Almighty Lord. You need something more than Siri. You need a Savior. And he has chosen to reveal himself in this strange, funny-sounding, old, ancient book. If you want wisdom in the new year, begin with God. He made it all. He knows the best way it's going to work. He wrote the instruction manual. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's eat this book every day. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we have access to tons of information, an unlimited amount of information. In fact, sometimes I think it's our new tree of knowledge of good and evil. We think we can know the truth apart from your word. And we can get so distracted with so much information that we never set a time to listen to you. And so, Lord God, we, 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 wanna, we want to follow you. We want to eat from your book. But, Lord God, it's hard. It's strange. Sometimes your word sounds funny. And so we pray that you'd put people around us. You'd You'd give us teachers. You'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. You'd give us time. You would open up a window of time for us to to be with you, to, to meditate on your word. And so that this time next year, we are stronger Christians than when we started. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.